Kings chapter 21, 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25. We're going to start here this morning. Now, when I, I got saved, I became a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Man, I, I felt so clean, I felt so alive. I mean, I just, I can't, you can't, it's like me, just, it's like being a dry, being in a dry, thirsty land and somebody dying of thirst and you explain to them what water tastes like. You can explain it all day long, but until they take a tall, long glass and take a long drink of this water, they're never going to understand it, right? How it quenches your thirst. Jesus Christ quenched my thirst like nothing ever has and nothing ever could. And when I took Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, it wasn't too long I realized I was still sinning. <laughs> I was still a sinner, and I was having to deal with that. And through studying the Bible and through listening to good preaching, I realized that the Bible taught me that there's incredible power in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That if we're, we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible teaches us. So I learned through my Christian walk that I needed to get down on my knees. I need to pray. And when I'm praying, I need to say, Lord, I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that. And I, I, I want to repent. I want to try to do better. And the Lord just clean away and wipe that away. And so many times in my life, I've done so many wicked things. And I've gotten on my knees and cried out to the Lord and got up and just felt so, this peace about me. It's a peace that Jesus Christ says that he's going to give us that the world can't give you. So I found out there's incredible power in the precious blood of Jesus Christ and crying out for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I've been down at uh, Mardi Gras, down at New Orleans, in the middle of all that mess, street preaching with some brothers uh, and, uh, with uh, some brothers I know, street preaching down at Mardi Gras, and I had a man come up to me, uh, and I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the man was demon-possessed. I seen it in his eyes. And I remember he spit at me, just spit right on me. And I claim the precious blood of Jesus Christ right there. There's power in claiming the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the second most powerful thing a person can claim and the power they have is in the Holy Spirit. So there's three great powers a Christian has. They have this great spiritual power you have as a Christian when you become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. The first one would be the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, that you now have the, the power to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. Cover me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse me. Wash me. There's power there. There's also the second great power a Christian has is a power in the Holy Spirit. Sister, uh, Sister Shirley, she's dealing with a little bit of that right now. She's going to have to do some stuff at a funeral, and we're talking about it. And one of the things that we're encouraging each other in is saying, hey, sister, the Holy Spirit's going to use you. Turn it over to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Let the Holy Spirit use you. And that's why I say to any Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He's in you. Let Him produce the fruit out of you. Don't try to produce the fruit of righteousness, those good works in your own power. Let the Holy Spirit produce it out of you. You get out of the way and let Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit produce it out of you. That's the power I'm talking about. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. I've been confronted by Jehovah's Witnesses. I've been confronted by Mormons. I've been confronted by uh, people that are atheists that uh, attack me and attack the Bible. And, of course, I, I get, I mean, they hit me just like that with some, some uh, verse of Scripture or with some kind of saying, and it knocks me back a little bit. And then the Holy Spirit that's in me will give me something to say, and I'll say it to them, and you can see the look on their face like I just slapped them back. Now, that's not me fighting them. That's the Holy Spirit in me. 
Guys, and I, some of y'all have told me the same types of stories. It's like, well, I would have never have thought of that because you didn't think of it. It was the Holy Spirit in you speaking through you. Jesus Christ tried to tell you that. He said, now, when you get drugged before these governors, you get drugged before these counselors, they're going to say all kinds of things to you. He goes, don't take any thought about what you're going to say. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. I'm going to speak through you. The Holy Spirit is going to give it to you right then. Amen. So there's a great power in the Holy Spirit for a Christian. Now, that's the second great power. Now, the third incredible power, most Christians don't realize this. And that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. I'm going to give you this third one. Most Christians and most lost men and women, they don't understand this power. It's an amazing power. This is so powerful that it works outside of Christianity too. But with God, it's very powerful. It's an incredible power to have. Now what could that be that I'm talking about? We're about to read it there in verse 25. As we read together, read with me in verse 25. We're going to read this together, and I'm going to show you what is this power, this incredible power that I'm talking about. Look at verse 25. My, now, it says there in the Bible, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. Okay, if you don't know the Bible, Ahab is the worst king Israel ever had. And you just read that, right? That's what the testimony of the Bible is, right? He was wicked. He was letting his wife kill the prophets of God. Jezebel was one of the most wicked women in the Bible to ever be in the Bible, Jezebel. Horrible. And he let his wife get away with it. He just got through killing a guy for a piece of land, letting his wife kill a guy for a piece of land. He's one of the most wicked men you're going to find in the Bible. No doubt about it, okay? You got that? Everybody understand that this guy, Ahab, is very, very, very wicked. And the Bible tells you that. Now look at the next verses. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. He not only wasn't doing things right, he was not only wicked, he was worshiping false gods. He wasn't even worshiping God the Father. Okay, y'all got, got the picture of Ahab, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Everybody on each side of my voice understands that Ahab, very wicked, wasn't living right, was actually following false gods. Verse 27. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, what words? Now, a preacher named Elijah showed up in Ahab's life. And Elijah showed up in Ahab's life and said, Ahab, you're going to die. Because the way you've been living. God's judged you and you're going to die. Now that almost is the same type as what Jesus Christ has warned us about hell. Hell is coming. You've lived wickedly. Hell is, is a judgment. Verse 27. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words, those words of Elijah, that he rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and laid in sackcloth, and went softly. He started, kind of, he started repenting. He started changing the way he was doing things. He started looking at how he was living his life. He took the words of God serious. Amen? That's pretty serious. But notice verse 28 and 29. This is what I'm preaching on this morning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. The one that gave him... Gave, that's Elijah's the one that gave him the words in the first place. Look what verse 29. Look what God tells Elijah in verse 29. Seest, how, seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because 
because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Whoa. Stop right there. Circle that verse and underline it. One of the most wicked men ever to be described in the Bible. By far the wickedest king we know of. When he simply humbled himself down, God says, you see how he humbled himself down? I'm not going to do it to him now. I'm here to teach and to preach this morning and to show you how the word of God that the third most incredible power a Christian has is the power, incredible power of humbleness. Amen. Humbleness. Just being humble before God. Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. In Sunday school last Sunday, we were going at the very end of our study on sin. And one of the, there's three ways a Christian's tempted. The lust of the flesh, the Bible says, the lust of the eyes, you see stuff. Your flesh makes you do things. Your eyes see stuff you shouldn't see. You lust after that. But the third was the pride of life. And we stood a study in Sunday school about all the sin and sin of pride. How pride cometh before destruction. All the things that happen in a Christian's life when he starts getting pride. And we know in the world that if you want power in the world, you need to have wealth or military strength or intelligence. That's where power comes in this world. But for you to have the power of peace and the power of joy and the power of happiness and all these things that come in the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to have the power of humbleness. Because we're not talking about physical things. Because when, when the world wakes up, the world's always thinking about physical things. How can I get more power at work? Or how can I get more power at, and, and I can get this through wealth and I can get this through military strength. And you have men and women, they just, they just crave power and they want to have power. And the most incredible power any man or woman can have on this earth is the power of humbleness. Because you can reach and touch God. You can reach and touch God. Look at 2 Chronicles 7. Now, I'm going to show you some things this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to show you some things about humbleness and how incredible it is and how you need to be doing it. It's so simple. Just be humble. But, boy, it's hard to. It's hard to be humble. I remember uh, listening to Charlton Heston. He was, I think Charlton Heston was married to the same woman for 50-something years in Hollywood. And they asked him, how can you do that? Be a, be, be a big star in Hollywood and be married to the same woman for over 50 years. That's almost impossible. He said, well, it's because of three little words I learned to say to my wife. And in my mind, I thought he was going to say, I love you. He said, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. You know what that taught me? Humbleness. Some of us men can learn that in here. Just to say, you know what? I was wrong. It's hard to, right? Amen. But there's incredible power of humbleness. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God is going to give a recipe of how to change a land back to Him. How to heal a land. God's going to give us that recipe. So many people, they, they miss the recipe. 
They got one part of the recipe, and they, that's one they want. Look at verse 14. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, this would include America. I think you could say America, right? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God gives a recipe, then he tells what will happen when you do this recipe. But when people read this verse uh, 14, they like to focus on pray. If we'll just pray, everything will be okay in America. If we'll just pray, everything will be okay. I've even seen signs. First Chronicles 7, 4, uh, yeah, 2 Chronicles 7.14, pray for America. I've seen those signs in people's front yards. Well, prayer is only one part of the recipe. The one I'm reading, let's read it again. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, there's one, pray, there's the second part, seek my face, there's the third part, and look at the last one, and turn from their wicked ways. Uh-oh. <laughs> that fourth one gets them. Let's not talk about turning from our wicked ways. Let's not talk about humbling ourselves down. Let's not talk about seeking God. Let's talk about prayer. Because that's the easy one. But the reason why we're turning to this and talking about the incredible power of humbleness, because in, in humbleness, this power you have, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's one of the few things in Christianity that's you. See, in Christianity, it's all about Jesus Christ. And I, and I teach this, and the Bible teaches us this, that you do things through the power of Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're trying to produce something, you're producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You're producing this. You're getting grace from God. You're getting love from God, and you're giving that love out from you to other people, but it's from God. It's the love of God in me that gives it out to other people. It's the wisdom of God in me that gives it out. To, whatever it is, I don't get the credit. It goes all back to Jesus Christ. It goes all back to Father God. But humbleness is something totally different because God says there, if they shall humble themselves, this is about you. It's about me. It's about humbling ourselves. It's about taking what we are and humbling ourselves down. You know, it's so easy to see pride in other people's lives. You don't want God humbling you down. You want to humble yourself. And I've seen other people in my life where God's come in and I've seen them, God working in their lives and God trying to humble them down, trying to humble them down. And they keep turning and not humbling themselves down. They still got that pride. And it's so easy to see that in other people's life. Amen. You can see God working in other people's life like that, but it's real hard to see it in yourselves. Let me give you some really, really good advice. Just humble yourself down. You need it. Even if you think you don't need it, you need it. It's like that old preacher said, if you want to know what's wrong with this church, go look behind the door when you're leaving the church. And they would go and look behind the door and there'd be a mirror. It's you, brothers and sisters. Amen. It's me. It's all about us humbling ourselves down. If they will humble themselves. God didn't say, if they'll, you'll let me humble you. God said, no, I want you to humble yourself. Amen. The trick the secret to Ahab being so wicked and, do, and being able to touch God was that he humbled himself. God spoke his words and Ahab heard those words and Ahab said, I repent. 
He got down. He started praying. He said, I'm wicked. I shouldn't have been doing that. And God says, Elijah, you see what he's doing right there? See how he's humbling himself down? I've changed my mind. I'm not going to do it to him. That's power. Don't ever think, I want God to give me exactly what I deserve. Don't be so foolish. If, you, if we were to get everything we deserve in this life from God, woo. 2 Chronicles 12. Look at 2 Chronicles 12. Look at 2 Chronicles 12. Let me show you another thing about this humbleness. Let me show you something else about this humbleness. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, just a couple of chapters over. Look at verse 5, starting in verse 5. Now I'm going to show you another man did the same thing. I'm showing you some examples of men in the Bible that were willing to humble themselves down and look what God does to them. And we're not talking about good men. I can't stress this enough. We're not talking about Moses or David or Daniel. We're not talking about Abraham. We're not talking about these great men of God of the Bible. We're talking about some of the most wicked men in the Bible who are willing to humble themselves and God shows up in their lives and does something. That's me and you. Now, you might not realize you're wicked, but I know I'm wicked. And I know I have to fight this old wicked flesh all the time. I need this incredible power of humbleness in my life. Verse 5, Then came Shemaiah, the prophet, to Rehoboam, and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. What God tells them is, hey guys, here's the king and all his princes. He says, I'm gonna, I've sent this evil against you, this Shishak. He's going to destroy you because you forsook me. In other words, God, just, God doesn't leave you high and dry. He tells you exactly why it's happening in your life like that. Verse 6, whereupon the princes of Israel, look, look guys, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves. There it is humbled themselves. And they said, the Lord is righteous. Very, very important. You know what they did? They humbled themselves. They got down on their knees. They repented. And they said, the Lord is righteous. What they're saying is, Lord, I'm wrong and you're right. You're right and I'm wrong. Amen. That's true humbleness. I'm wrong. Lord, you're right. Lord, my heart wants to do this, my flesh wants to do this, and I've done it, and I shouldn't have done it, because I'm wrong, and you're right. You're God. You know everything. You're righteous. You're holy. You're right. The Lord, look at it. And the king humbled themselves, and they said, the Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, They have humbled themselves. Therefore, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. They changed God's heart. Amen. Notice it says in verse 7, and this is the point I want to make about these verses here. The Lord is watching and waiting for you to humble yourself. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the Lord's watching them. See, when the Holy Spirit 
through the Word of God, and the Word of God is given to you by a preacher or by the Bible or however you're getting the Word of God, and the Scripture's working on you, God does that and He watches you to see how you're going to, what you're going to do with that. Are you going to take His Word? When, when His Word goes against what the world says, are you going to take His Word and close it up and follow the world? The Lord is watching. When the Lord gives you His Word, and I'm telling you, it's not always a bed of roses. When the Lord gives you His Word, sometimes it just cuts right to the heart. You know what I, I told this the other day? I do my Bible reading, and every time I'm doing my Bible, there's two things that come out of my, 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 my mouth when I'm doing my Bible reading. Praise the Lord, and forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you for being long-suffering. Or this is what's coming out of my mouth. Forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry, Father. I shouldn't have. It's just that. Because when the Holy Spirit is moving on you, and he gives you his words, which he did there in verse 5 to Rehoboam the king. And says, this is what's going on. I, I've forsaken you because of what you've done. You've got the sin in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes in and starts working on you. Then the Lord sits back and says, okay, let's watch. The Lord is watching and waiting for you to get down and just simply humble yourself. And say, you're right and I'm wrong. Get down and humble yourself. The Lord is watching and He's waiting. The truth is the ball's in your court, brother and sister. The ball's in your court. It's in your hands. It's your responsibility. It's, it's up to you. I, I, can, I can pray and, and, and preach this and show you the Scriptures over and over again about the incredible power of humbleness and you're seeing it with your own eyes if you're reading. You're hearing it with your own ears if you're hearing. If you have ears to hear... But the truth is, God's not going to force you to do anything. You've got a free will. It's actually in your court. But if you're, God's watching you, and He's hoping you'll make the right decision, which would be to say, I was wrong, and you're right, and I humbly submit to you in the name of Jesus Christ. You see what He did there? And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shammai, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them. Incredible power of humbleness. Look at 2 Chronicles 33. Same book, same book. Look at chapter 33. 2 Chronicles chapter 33. People all the time... Have came up to me during my ministry. I want the Lord to answer my prayer. I want the Lord to hear my prayers. I want God to hear me. I want God to answer my prayers. Well, this is how it starts right here. It starts right here. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. Error. Cause the, the sin. And to do worse than the heathen. So this is not a good guy. He's causing them to do stuff worse than the heathen. That the, than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Manasseh's an evil king. I'm trying to get this through to you. He's an evil, wicked king. And the Lord sends prophets, sends his word. The prophets preach. They give him the words of God and they won't listen. Verse 11. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the kings of Assyria, 
which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Manasseh's kingdom is destroyed. Manasseh's captured. Manasseh took all the way back to Babylon. Uh-oh. Look at verse 12. And when he was in affliction, that's Manasseh, the wicked king, he's in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. See, it took God waking him up, shaking him, giving him stuff happening into his life, and then he said, uh-oh. He not only humbled himself, the Bible said he humbled himself greatly. You know what that means? The man had a lot of pride. A lot of pride. So he had to humble himself out greatly. What happens then? Verse 13. And prayed unto him, prayed to God, and humbled himself. And he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication. This is talking about the Lord. And brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh, Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Humbleness, humbleness gives you the power to see God work in your life. Manasseh, wicked as he was, evil as he was, simply humbled himself down, prayed to God and said, Lord, I know you're, wrong, you're right and I'm wrong. I should have never done that. And he really greatly humbled himself. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to entreat, be entreated of you. Come on out of there. I'm going to let you come out of Babylon. And he said he heard his supplication, brought him again to Jerusalem, into his kingdom, brought him back. Then Manasseh, what did Manasseh know then? He knew that the Lord, he was God. You know what the hardest thing about work is, being at a job, is having to humble yourself. That's why so many teenagers can't do a job. You get at a job, you have a boss that's stupid, amen. You have a boss that's stupid, that does stupid things, and he comes in there and tells you to do something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is the stupidest thing you ever heard, and you have to say, yes sir, and go and do that job. It's very humbling, isn't it? Amen. It's humbling. Because you know the boss is stupid. But you would think he was the boss. Because he is the boss. And that's what people don't like about work. It's very humbling because you have to humble yourself down. And you have to say, okay, you're right. Even though you don't think he's right. But you know what's the most humbling thing about a job? You have that stupid boss that comes in there and tells you to do something really, really stupid. And you go off and you're like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And the only reason I'm doing it is because they're paying me $10 an hour or whatever. And if, he, if I was a boss, I would blah, blah. And I'll tell you what I'd do if I was a boss. And then you go and do that thing he told you to do. And then about a month later, you get to looking back on it. And you go, oh, he was right. That stupid boss, I think he was right. And you realize as... This guy here, you would have done exactly what your boss told you to do. And it's humbling. Because <laughs> if you have a heart that's right, you would say, you know what, I was wrong and he was right. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. We're so quick to be humble at work so we can keep our $10 an hour jobs or whatever it is. Why can't we be quick to humble before God? So we can see God work in our lives. You want to see God work in your life? You've got to humble yourself. That's simple. He knew that the Lord, he was God. You want to, hear, you want to meet some humble people? Talk to missionaries. 
you got seven kids and you're in this travel trailer that's got three bunk beds and they've got kids sleeping on the floor, sleeping on the, the wife has no way to really do her hair up. She's got this little mirror about this big and they're going down the road, t flat tires, blow out, go to this church, meet people for a couple of hours. The people are like, oh, yawn at, what, yawn at them while they're trying to present their work to the Philippines. They get back in the truck, they go over there and they get to the church and the pastor says, oh, I forgot to call you and tell you that we're, we're, I, I've got something else going on. I'm going to have to cancel that meeting. Wasting time. Waste, it's humbling. Talk to those guys. <laughs> those guys are humbled every day by what they're trying to do for the Lord. But they get to see God work in their lives, though. That's the difference. That's the difference. See, if you, if you hear it, you're still in chapter 33. With me, look at verse 20. I'm going to show you an example. Look at verse 20. So Manasseh dies. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Ammon his son reigned in his stead. So Manasseh passes away. His son takes his place. Verse 21. And Ammon was two and twenty years old when he began to reign, and reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, same as Manasseh, right? As did Manasseh his father. That's exactly what the Bible tells us. So Manasseh and his son Ammon, they're exactly two peas in a pod. They were acting the same way. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh's father had made and served them. But look at verse 23. What's the difference between Ammon and Manasseh, his father? Look at verse 23. It tells you. And humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh, his father, had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. So there's a man named Ammon, the son of Manasseh. His father humbled himself greatly and God blessed him and worked in his life, even though he was very, very wicked. Amon was the same wickedness as his father, but he wouldn't humble himself, and then he said he got worse and worse. What happened in Amon's life? Verse 24, And his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. Something really bad happened to him. I'm here to encourage you to humble yourself. Because if you will not humble yourself, God's going to have to do something. There's a lot of pride, proudful, very prideful people down in hell right now. They wouldn't humble themselves and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You know what I found out? Uh, studying about evolution, studying about different things in science, studying about different religions. You know what I found out a lot of those? is the men, pride of man. The pride of man. They start seeing the truth. They start seeing the truth. They start seeing the truth. And their pride of not wanting to believe in Jesus Christ keeps them away from the truth. And they start inventing all kinds of theories. They start inventing all kinds of things to try to disprove the truth. Because their pride won't let them admit that they were wrong. And that Jesus Christ is the way. It's sad. Don't let pride do you that way. Don't let pride send you to hell. You've tried, if you're in here this morning and you've tried everything else in your life, why don't you try a little bit of humbleness? It's good for a man to eat a humble pie. It's good for a man to eat humble pie. The world don't tell you that. The world says pride, pride, pride. Get your flag up. Wave it in the streets. Pride, pride, pride. And the Bible says, pride cometh for destruction. The Bible says humbleness, humbleness, humbleness. Look at, verse, look at chapter 34. 
2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 27. Now this is the story. Uh, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 27. This is Hosea. Josiah, excuse me, Josiah. Josiah was a king. He was young. They found the words of God that had been lost in the temple. They bring Josiah the words of God. He repents. He says, oh my, we've been not doing anything God wants us to do. We got the words of God. Now let's repent. And look at verse 27. What happens with Josiah? Verse 27. Because thine heart was tender, tenderhearted, and thou didst humble thyself before God. You know what's those thyselves in there? You humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rent thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. You want your prayers answered? Humble yourself. Humbleness is the power that allows God to hear and answer your prayer. Showing up before God with a prideful heart. Showing up before God in pride. Showing up before God without His word. Showing up before God like you're wrong, you're right and He's wrong. God's not going to listen to you. If you can show up to God with a humble heart, you don't have to understand everything, amen? That's called humbleness. Lord, I'm humble enough to admit I don't know what's going on. Lord, I don't understand. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. But Lord, I know you're right and I'm wrong. You're going to get some prayers answered. That's what Josiah did. And I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Humbleness allows God to hear and answer your prayers. Doesn't everybody want that? Do you understand? I've been preaching for about 30 minutes or so, and it's all about the incredible power of humbleness and how nobody talks about being humble. You should be proud. You should be proud. You should be proud. No. You should need to be humble. That's where the power of God is. It's in humbleness. Look at Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. I'm just showing you some little things about the incredible power of humbleness. Let's God work in your life. You're going to get some prayers answered. But look at uh, Isaiah 57 verse 15. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. This is something. and This might not be for everybody in here. But for me it was very, very important. When I went through some of the worst moments of my life and I was dealing with some of the most deepest, darkest depression of my life, I didn't want to turn on the TV. I didn't want to listen to music. I, didn't want to, I wanted to be close to God. I wanted to be close to my God. I wanted God to be close to me. It was very important to me to get close to God, so I wanted to find out everything I could to get close. How do I dwell close to God? This is it right here. This is what I found out. Verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. That's our God right there. Whose name is holy. He's a holy God. I. This is what God says. I dwell in the high and the holy place. The place we call heaven. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. There it is right there, humbleness. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. 
If you'll humble yourself down, God will dwell with you. And he'll lift you up. He'll revive you. He said, Brother Keegan, I, I don't want to be humble and crying all the time and be sad and uh, repentant of God. I can't, I can't live like that. No, you do that, and then God shows up, and you'll be amazed how God shows up and revives you and gives you peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. You'll, you'll be amazed when God, you allow God. See, because when you're humbling yourself down, what you're doing is you're allowing God to come dwell with you. Because that's where he, who he, he dwells with people who are humble and contrite. He's not, he's not dwelling with the proud. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. The incredible power of humbleness allows you to dwell with God and God to dwell with you. Isn't that what any Christian wants? Amen. At least I hope that's what you want. It allows you to dwell with God. And let me tell you a little secret. The more humble you become, the closer God dwells. The more humble you become, the closer God dwells. Some of the best Christians I've ever met are some of the most humble people I've ever met. That's not a coincidence. As you become a Christian and you get around the Lord, it humbles you down. Because see, the closer God gets to you, you know what you found out about God? The closer the Lord Jesus Christ gets to you, the closer God the Father, you know what you found out about God the closer He gets to you? Is that He's very, very holy. And you're very, very not. And He gets closer to you and it humbles you. And then He gets closer and it humbles you. And it gets to the point where you, you'll say up here in front of a bunch of people, some of y'all have never even met in my life, and say, I'm wicked, I'm sorry, I'm no good, and I'm a sinner. And if you know me, you know my heart, I'm telling you the truth. What would it cause me to say that? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I've been around holiness, and it isn't none of y'all. I've been in a prayer closet and had God show up. <laughs> And you just can't even hardly stand. It's holiness. Jesus walked around. God veiled in flesh. And when Jesus came near Peter and did a miracle, Peter said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Amen. Can't take it. You want God to dwell with you? You need to be of a humble spirit. Contrite heart. Have some brokenhearted things. Be brokenhearted about some things. I'm going to close by going to couple more verses in James chapter 4, and then we'll get out of here. James chapter 4. Let's go to the New Testament. I've been showing you everything in the Old Testament. And if you notice that, you might be saying in your heart, saying, well, that's just the Old Testament. Yeah, well, I'm showing you examples of how God works. Now I'm going to show you what the Bible says in the New Testament about humbleness. James chapter 4, verse 10. Are you, are you down? Are you depressed? Are you brokenhearted? Are things just not going right in life? Humble yourself. Look at verse 10. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight. Look, he's watching you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. You down? Are you depressed? Are you brokenhearted? Things don't seem to be going right? Humble yourself down. The Lord will lift you up. I just explained that. 
You get down on your knees, you humble yourself down, you admit that you're wrong, God's right, and you start humbling yourself down. And it's amazing how God shows up and fills your heart with joy, with peace, and with love. Nothing, nothing beats the love of God. It's only found in Jesus Christ. And when He shows up and puts those loving arms around you and you know you're saved, and you're not just saved today, you're saved forever. And He gives you that witness that makes you cry, Abba, Father. And no matter what happens in your life, you know, I know that I'm going to heaven. And there's a better day coming. Man, that's, that's called being lifted up. But it comes first with humble yourselves. Verse 10, humble yourselves. See, I keep throwing the ball over in y'all's court. It's your, your job. See, the blood of Jesus Christ is not your job. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ is just you claiming a power that's really not yours. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. When you claim the power of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're using what you're allowing God to use you. It's not anything you're doing. You're, you're basically backing off. But with the power of humbleness, it's what you're doing. It's your power. It's, it's your ability. It's the one thing you can do. You can really move God in your life. It don't matter this morning if you're one of the most wicked sinners in this county. If you can humble yourself down, God will show up in your life and start answering prayers and doing things with you. The most wicked person. I showed you. Amen. Did y'all see that? Y'all read it with me? The most wicked person you could think of. If they would simply humble themselves up before God, God will show up and do something for them. But people, the world don't get that. The world don't get that. No, no murderer deserves Jesus Christ. No rapist deserves Jesus Christ. No child molester deserves Jesus Christ. No homosexual deserves Jesus. And they have this long list of people who don't deserve Jesus Christ. Those are exactly the people that need Jesus Christ. That's exactly the people that Jesus Christ died for. He's hanging on the cross and the thief says, Lord, will you remember me? And the Lord says, Jesus Christ says to the thief hanging with him on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That guy wasn't hanging on the cross because he, he took too many apples to the teacher at school. He's a thief and a murderer. That's me. I'm the sinner. I'm the wicked sinner. And there was a time when I was 17 years old that I was living in pride and the Holy Spirit came in and I humbled myself down and realized, you know, I'm wrong. And the Word of God is right. I need Jesus Christ. And I don't care if my mom is watching me or my friends are watching me. I don't care who finds out, who knows about it. I'm going to go down and take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's a humbling experience. But if you'll humble yourself down, the Lord will lift you up. Amen. Let's look at one more. 1 Peter chapter 5. Just turn a couple of pages to the right. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. You need the power of humbleness. If you're down, you're depressed, you're sinking down, I don't know what's going on in your life. Nobody does. Sometimes we don't ever know. But you need Jesus Christ, and you need it through the power of humbleness. Likewise, Peter says, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Submit, submit, submit. That's a humbleness. 
Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Amen. You want grace in your life? Amen, you want grace? Grace is a free, unmerited gift. God just gives you something. It says, I don't want nothing in turn. Just take it. It's yours. It might be worth a million dollars, and God just says, here, it's yours. You don't, I don't want you to think you owe me. You don't owe me for nothing. That's called grace. Amen. And God gives that to people who are humble. When Ahab was one of the most wicked kings God's ever known, and he records it that you're the most wicked king I've ever known, when Ahab simply humbled himself down, God says, I'm going to give you a little bit of grace. I'm not going to do it to you. That's incredible power. You're not going to find in anything else. Verse 6, humble yourselves, yourselves, yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Amen. Just stay humble. God will exalt you. Just stay humble. Jesus Christ said the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, they're not doing it right now, but coming, there's coming a day when he comes back, they will. Just stay humble. The world's pride, prideful. The world's full of pride. The world, that's all they talk about is themselves and pride and what's in it for me and wealth and strength and power. And guys, you just remember as a Christian, you got three great powerful things in your life. You got the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to claim. You got the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. And thirdly, you have under your own discretion the power, the incredible power of humbleness if you're only willing to submit yourself and admit that he's right and I'm wrong. Peter closes by saying, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We're so blessed to have a loving Father God that cares for us, that wants us to cast all our cares on him, that watches for us, and we can be doing some of the most wicked sins right now. Underneath the sound of my voice, there's some people in here, there's no doubt, you can't have a church that's full of people that there's not somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing, very wicked. There's no doubt that if you're doing something wicked in here and you're simply willing, not humble yourself to me, not humble yourself to a priest, not humble yourself to your, your wife or your husband or your dad or your mom, but to humble yourself before God in prayer that God will come into your heart and will cleanse it and wash it and make it white as snow and forgive you. Amen. That's the God we serve. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is when we're about to give an opportunity. If you don't know if you were to die tonight, where you would go, if you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell, you can make that decision right now. Now, if I said, are you saved? Are you, if I asked you, are you a Christian? Most of y'all would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Me and Brother uh, Marwitz were just talking about this. But if I was to ask you, what are you trusting to get you into heaven? When you get up to those pearly gates... And somebody's there, let's say it's Peter there, and Peter's waiting for there. And when you get those parts, what are you trusting to get you in those gates? Are you trusting your good works, going to church, reading the Bible? You know what the Bible says? That's not going to get you in. Are you trusting because you're a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or Episcopalian or a member of some other denomination or church? 
that's not going to get you in. If you walk up there to Peter, Peter will say, password. Good work. Uh, I did some good works. I was at church and I was like, password. Uh, my, my mom taught Sunday school class and I was very faithful. I helped her out. I actually gave money to the church. Password. Um, uh, God is love. Password. And about that time, somebody else will come up beside you, push you to the side, and Peter will say, password. And they'll say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Come on in. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's what I said at the very beginning. Jesus Christ said, He that believeth in me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. It's belief. Jesus Christ wants you to believe. Believe on Him as your Lord and Savior. And what that does, that allows God to do so many things in your life. I don't have time this morning to tell you. But spiritually speaking, what God's going to do when you say, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you please save me, Lord? You don't have to know everything about the Bible. When you simply pray like that, you know what happens in your life, spiritually speaking? Jesus Christ said it, you're born again. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes in. Boom, you're alive. You've got eternal life in you. Holy Spirit's living in you. You're born again. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ. Like I was describing when I was 17, all this weight's lifted off of me. And then God says, I've got a home waiting for you. And now God's no longer your judge that's condemned you. Now God is your Father. And the Holy Spirit said, the Bible says to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit's in you and cries, Abba, Father. I'm your son. You're my Father. Thank you. And I humbly submit to you as my Father. Jesus Christ, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so good to us, Lord. And Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move this morning, Lord God. And if there's somebody, somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I just pray you'd speak to the heart the truth. And Lord, as we give this invitation, Father, will come on down the aisle and get saved. Lord, I just know that, Lord, you're moving. And Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your movement, Lord. I thank you for your words, Lord. Father, I thank you. Give us the power of humbleness. That if we're willing to humble ourselves down, Lord, you'll work. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're watching us. You're not just some far off in some other side of the universe, Lord God, and have forgotten about us, Lord. You're here this morning and you're watching us. And you want to know what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, Lord. Give us the strength, Lord, to be humble. Father, just give us the heart to be humble. And Lord, forgive us. Please forgive us when we're not humble enough. Thank you for loving us and thank you for putting up with us. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, Brother Matt and Wade. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this opportunity to come on down the aisle and get saved. If you want to get on the prayer altar and pray about something, it's always open. But whatever we do, let's not leave here this morning without getting right with God. I think this time is short. Jesus Christ is about to come back. Are you ready? I'm ready. But the question is not, am I ready? The question is, are you ready?